But I need to get this message into you. In fact, uh, we were going to wrap up our Circles message series and begin a new message series. And I got so much positive feedback from you guys on how these messages are helping you. How many of you feel that way? Like these message series has really been helping you, helping in your relationships. Uh, that I, I really prayed into it. And I took our plan and we were going to start a new message series. I put that aside and said, you know what? God has given me a couple more messages that I think will help you. And so today is one of them. And I'm on short time, uh, but I believe God wants to do something today in your hearts to help you have deeper relationships in your life. How many of you want that? How many of you genuinely want to have closer relationships, deeper relationships? I know for me in my house, like uh, every year I pray into and I have some personal goals for my life. And, and this year, coming into the year, one of my personal goals was to have deeper, real relationships. I, I have some great relationships. I have some wonderful friends. Um, but being a busy pastor, uh, I, most of the time I'm doing pretty good just to keep my head above water and, and talk to my wife. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, have some relationship with my kids. And every once in a while, if I'm lucky, I get to hang out with some of my friends and I just decided, you know what, this year, I want to go deeper in relationship with people. I want to spend more time with them, more quality time with them. I want to have uh, better, closer relationships. And I think if we're honest with each other, most of us feel that way, right? Most of us, we want to have closer, deeper relationships in our lives, whether it's in our marriage or with our children, with our, our relatives, with our coworkers with our friends, with our neighbors, with our fellow students. But the challenge is, for a lot of us, we feel stuck in that area of our life. Like for some reason, we struggle to get close to people and to know them and to be known by them. And so today, I want us to take a look at a passage of Scripture, probably the greatest example that I could find in the Bible, in the Word of God, of these two guys who had this amazing, close friendship where they loved each other and they loved each other deeply. And it's this beautiful picture of what I believe, what our relationships are supposed to be like. And so we're going to take a look at 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. Let me kind of give you the context for these few verses. Now, this is right after David has slayed the giant Goliath. And the word is getting around uh, about David's, you know, victory. And they're starting to sing Saul being the king of Israel. He's the one that's supposed to be the, the great warrior leading Israel into battle. He's the one that actually should have went out and fought Goliath, but he was, he was too chicken to do that. <laughs> and so, you know, David, this little shepherd boy, shows up on the scene. Most of you know the story. And he's like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> Who's going to go out and fight this guy? He's defying Israel, the God of Israel, and our army. And somebody needs to go out and fight this guy. And, and David, Saul says, well, nobody wants to go out and fight. And David says, well, I'll do it. And he tries to give him his armor. It doesn't fit. He says, no, I'll just go out with my sling. And he picks up a couple of stones on his way to fight Goliath. And, and being a shepherd out in the field, I love how God prepares you. You understand that? God prepares you sometimes with things that seem meaningless and don't really matter when nobody sees it behind the scenes. That God is preparing you to slay some giants in public, but he does it in best work in private first. And so David, having 
being handy with a sling because he's a shepherd where nobody sees it. He's had to fight off a bear and a lion and he has confidence in this and he takes it. You know, you know the story. He knocks down the giant. Well, now everybody's like singing his praises. They're saying Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. Well, this didn't sit too well with King Saul. He started getting a little insecure about his manliness, his king, kingship, uh, his warrior self or whatever. And he pulls David into his office, so to speak, into the king's chamber. And he's given him a little talk, you know, like, hey, let's make sure I want to make sure this is straight here. Like you understand your place. I'm the king. You're, you work for me. Uh, you go out and do battle. But that's it. And somehow in this interaction between Saul and David, Saul's son, Jonathan, who's heir to the throne someday will be king of Israel. He hears the interaction in private between David and Saul. And there's something about this man, David, that just listening to him speak, his posture, seeing how he wasn't afraid to go out and fight Goliath, how much he trusted in God. And he put himself out there. And something about this man, David, just stirred something in Jonathan, that he saw a kindred spirit in him. He saw somebody that was like him, that he felt like, man, we could be good friends. And you were going to hear about how this bond took place between the two of them. 1 Samuel 18, verse 1 through 4. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. Some translations say that their souls were knit together. I love that. It's a beautiful picture. And he loved him as himself. And from that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant. Now, I think we've lost the art of covenant. In our modern day and age, nobody wants commitment anymore. And yet, Jonathan makes this covenant. And if you understand what biblical covenant is, this is what I love marrying people. Uh, and I love the part where, you, where they say their vows and they say, uh, in sickness and good times and bad times and sickness and in health till death do us part. That's a covenant. That's saying no matter what happens, whether you meet my needs or not, whether I feel like it or not, I'm making this commitment to be your friend. So Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. In verse 4, and Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word this morning. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now. Open our hearts to receive exactly what you have for us today. Even more so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help bring down the walls that we've built up around our soul, trying to protect us, all the while pushing people away. God, I pray today that you would change us, that you would open our hearts once again to step out in faith and begin to have real, deep, intimate relationships with one another again. I pray that you would anoint me to preach your word. Let it not be just words, but let it be the power to change us and transform us into your son, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. Amen, amen. By the way, I just, um, I want to thank you. Um, many of you know this, some of you don't. My wife, uh, on Monday, had hip replacement surgery. 
She's been dealing with uh, severe pain for the last two or three years. And if you've seen her come up and host sometimes, you'll notice she uh, was limping a little bit. And so she had successful surgery. I'm very grateful for that. Thank you for your prayers. Many of you have sent flowers. You've sent uh, meals. And it's just been amazing. The, the love and support that you've shown my wife, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, she feels very loved uh, by you. And so... I thank you for that, and I just covet your continued prayers as she recovers from that. Probably won't see her around here for a little bit, but just continue to pray for her. In fact, can we just take a moment to pray for her? All right. Father, thank you for my wife. Thank you for the blessing that she is to this house and for all that know her. Father, I pray that you would use this surgery to bring healing to her body and restore her to perfect health, mobility, free of pain, so that she could be free to be who you made her to be. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. The title of my message to you this morning is Real Relationships. Real Relationships. I say real because I think one of the dangers in our 21st modern technology, social media, saturated uh, culture and lifestyles is that I think we're losing what it means to have real relationships. <laughs> it was funny. Um, I remember one time, it was, it was actually coming out of COVID. It was that weird COVID year. It was my wife and I's 25th anniversary. And we, we had planned to do something really awesome and amazing, go on this amazing vacation. But because of COVID and all the weirdness of, of you know, all that was going on, uh, we, our plans had to change. So we decided we were going to go to Phoenix for two or three days, just to have a short break, our, our anniversary is in mid-November, so kind of headed into winter, get a little sunshine, get into some nice warm weather. Uh, all you people who come up here for the summers, stay in Arizona for the winter, you know what I'm talking about. And anyway, I remember we flew in, we got in late, and this taxi or you, not YouTube, whatever, Uber, thank you, Uber, Uber person, YouTube. I got social media on the brain. This Uber driver, he's, he's driving us to the place where we're staying. And, you know, I strike up a conversation with him. You know, how are you doing? And, uh, you know, how long have you been Ubering and that kind of thing? And uh, he started, you know, talking to me. And, and I said, well, you know, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, I, I do part-time DJing on the side. And I'm like, oh, wow, man, that's really cool. That's interesting. I'm like, so you, you know, you, you DJ clubs and everything? He's like, yeah. He's, he's like, I'm like, what, where the, what's that like? And he's like, well, man, there's like thousands of people that I'm like DJing for in these raves. And, um, you know, it's just, it's pretty awesome. And, and I really enjoy doing it. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. So like, is there a certain club or someplace you normally do this at? And he's like, oh no, I'm, I do it online. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, you do it online? So like, it's like a, you know, Zoom thing, you know, with DJing or these parties on Zoom. He's like, oh, no, 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 it's like a virtual DJ party. And I'm, a, I'm the DJ, and we have these virtual, like, raves and stuff. I'm like, with real people? Or he's like, well, I don't know if they're real or not, but, you know, I just do my DJ thing. And I was just like, all right, man, well, that's cool. You know, and I'm like, I know, what do you say to that? I'm like, that, I'm, I'm looking at my wife, I'm like, that's bizarre. Like, I've never heard of such a thing. And it's a funny story, but the reality is, the reality is, the, re the reality is, is that for a lot of us, this is what modern day technology is doing. It's giving us this 
pseudo idea that we're living in reality when we're really not. I was looking at some statistics. The average Facebook user has about 325 to 350 friends. But when surveyed, people in America say they only have two people in their lives that they would say are close friends. 25% of all people polled said they don't even have one close friend. And when you look at statistics year over year, that number gets increasingly smaller and smaller and smaller. In the 1950s and 60s, it was way higher. I was even thinking back to my grandparents when I was growing up and we didn't have phones, we didn't have social media. They would have friends over on a Thursday night and they would play pinochle. I don't even know what pinochle is, but they played pinochle. And if you're under 40, just roll with it. But they played pinochle. And they'd have peanuts and popcorn, and I'm trying to think of other peas, but they, they would just hang out and they would have party. And they were like, they would go on vacation together and they would do things together. They would have meals together. They did life together and they knew each other, like really knew each other. And I thought, man, what is happening to us? I think we're in an epidemic where, where, where we're losing what it means to have real relationships. Most of us, we're looking for likes, but we're longing for love. And too many of us, we have these relationships on social media and Facebook, but who's there for you when you really need it? Who really knows you? Who knows who you are? And God's call on your life and purpose for you. Who's, who's pushing you and praying for you? And, and who's there for you when you need somebody to talk to face-to-face, not just on FaceTime, right? Or on Facebook. So we have to understand something. If we're going to have real relationships, that you and I were created for connection. It's the way God hardwired us. Like, that's the way he created you. He created you not for surface-level relationships, but he actually created you for real, deep connection. And we are a generation that is more connected than ever, but we're lacking real connection one to another. And I believe that when we read this passage of Scripture between Jonathan and David, we see a real connection. We see a real relationship. And I even think, you know, I want to talk to the man in the house for a minute. I led men's ministry for years. And really, what what spurred on God leading me into men's ministry is because of how God was moving in my life and how I saw him moving in the lives of men when men started getting real with each other. I'll never forget, there, in, in my office at the time, we were, we'd been praying, me and a, a good friend of mine who's another believer, we were praying for this one guy in our office, and, and we took him to a men's retreat, actually Tres Dias. I know a lot of you involved in Tres Dias. Love my Tres Dias brothers and sisters. And uh, we invited him to Tres Dias. He gave his life to Jesus on that weekend. And on the way home, we had some great conversations. He's a real head thinker. And so my buddy and I said, you know what? We need to help him to start learning the Bible now and getting the truth in him. And we agreed we would meet once a week before we'd start work and we'd have a Bible study. And we started doing that. And we started reading the Bible together, praying for each other. And lo and behold, some other guys started hearing about it. And they were like, hey, man, I would love to do something like that and be a part of that. And so we were like, come on. Before you knew it, it grew to like eight guys, then 10 guys, then 12 guys. We moved three different times because we kept outgrowing the space. But I'll never forget, there was one morning. We used to meet Friday morning, 6 a.m. And I'll never forget one morning, 
where we just got done reading our passage of scripture and we were, we were about to start talking about it. And all of a sudden, this one guy starts weeping. And what started out is like a little starts wailing and like I'm talking like deep down in his soul crying. I'm talking about ugly crying. Women, you know what I'm talking about. Mascara running, you know, all that. But for guys, it's more snot coming down, you know, that kind of thing. And I mean, ugly crying. And, and some of us didn't even know what to do. We're like, what's happening right now? Like, what, what's going on? And, and, and somebody put his, you know, their hand on him. Man, are you, you okay? I'll call a guy named Steve just for sake of protecting who he is because he lives in this valley still, I believe. And... Um, and he just starts opening up and sharing about how he's been a closet pot addict for years. Goes to church every week, comes to Bible study, but smoking pot, nobody knows about it. And he also opened up and shared that not only was he smoking pot, that he was looking at porn and he had this secret life that nobody knew about. And he just kept saying, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of pretending. And, and he, just, he just spilled it all out right there. And I remember, as he's sharing, I remember thinking to myself, oh, man, it just got real. It just got real. Because we could talk about all this other stuff. We could talk about, you know, how the Giants beat the Vikings. Sorry, my friend, Big John. We could talk about our jobs and how well we, we could talk about our new camper. We could talk about the elk we just shot or the big fish we just got. We could talk about the vacation that we just took. But when you start talking about some real things, the power of being real, it was amazing. Because you know what? This guy thought he was done. He thought, that's it. I spilled my stuff. Y'all know I'm outed. I'm never going to be allowed to come back to this Bible study again. But you know what? The opposite happened. You know, we like to show each other our strengths, especially as men. But you know what connects you to somebody is when you let them into your weakness. And that day he led us into his weakness. And you know what happened? Instead of people judging him, guys judging him, what happened is one by one, guys got up and started gathering around him and started praying over him. Telling him how much they love the man and appreciate you. Believe in you. Man, God can turn this around. Speaking life into him. Praying over him. I mean, all this. And I remember that day, like some guys had to go to work, but we just stayed and prayed with this man, prayed with this man. But you know what the amazing thing that happened? The very next week, other guys, one by one, started opening up and sharing and it got real, real. God put on my heart to start a men's ministry in this church, and we called it Real Men because I felt like, man, we need a revolution of men that are getting real with God and real with each other. And I don't think it stops with just men. I think ladies, too, we, you got to be careful because in our Instagram day and age, we can look at other people and we can compare ourselves to them and we could take pictures and selfies and put filters on and we could project this this life that isn't real for the sake of being accepted and the sake of being loved and the sake of having friends giving the appearance that we've got it all together and we're stronger than we really are and I don't even know why we do this because when you read the Bible God never comes to the people that have it all together and the strong. In fact, he rebukes them, but he comes for the weak. 
And even the great apostle Paul, when he thought, hey, I'm done. I got this thorn in my side. God says, no, no, no. I ain't going to take it away even though you prayed three times. It's good for you, Paul, because I want you to know you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to pretend. He said, I want to teach you something, and this is the principle. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness, not your perfection. I don't need you to try to be perfect. I don't need you to put on a face. I just need you to surrender and boast about your weaknesses so that my power can rest on you. That isn't even in my notes. That's just bonus. God's just giving it through right now. But I feel like that's for somebody. But we were hardwired for connection. This is, this is what we're made for. Genesis 2.18, God creates man. And then he creates all the animals. And, and, he, has, and he has Adam name all the animals, right? And then, and then he says this, Genesis 2.18, And the Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And man, I'll tell you what, I'm doing some research on the effects of technology and social media on relationships it is, it is scary. In fact, the tech industry, social media, doesn't really want you to know. So they keep that stuff on the DL, how social media and technology. Now, I'm not anti-social media. Look, if those things, they can be used, they're neutral. They can be used for good or bad. It can be too much or too little. There's balance, right? It can help you connect to an old friend, or it can help open up a relationship uh, that you shouldn't be having. So it's neutral. I'm not anti-technology. But when you look at the statistic, it's crazy. We're more connected than ever, but we feel more alone than ever. The, the loneliness statistics are, are staggering. How over the last six, seven years, especially in young people, how they feel isolated and alone. And yet here we are in the church and we're struggling to have real, meaningful relationships. I believe there's two reasons why. Number one, I already shared with you, is that we, we are so encamped in modern-day technology and social media that we have dumbed down our relationships to where we become satisfied having shallow relationships, and we've lost the art of what it means to have real relationship with each other. The second thing is this. I'm going to read to you this past scripture, and I'll unpack this. For many of us... We've gotten hurt, rejected, wounded in relationships. And because of it, we've built up walls over time to try to protect ourselves. But those same walls of protection are what keep people from seeing who we really are. And we keep them from coming and seeing who God made us to be. And we don't let them in. We keep them at arm's length. And we say... We'll have relationship, but we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it right here. And we need to learn to get healed of our wounds and take the risk to let people in so they could see who we really are and we could be known and we can know each other. But look at this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. This is after Adam and Eve sinned. Now God is coming to look for. I love the fact that God, Adam and Eve, what their first reaction is to sin and to wounding, and this is our first reaction, is it says that they, they went and hid because of the guilt and shame, and they covered themselves. 
And this is the account. It says in verse 8, Genesis 3:8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they did what? They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. <laughs> now, who are they trying to fool? Like, come on, right? Like, God's not going to find them. But you know what God's response is, is where are you? And here's my question to you. Where are you this morning? Are you hiding from love? Are you hiding from having real relationships? Because you're afraid and ashamed that if somebody sees who you really are, naked and unashamed, that they're not going to love you, accept you, that they're going to judge you, they're going to think less of you. And so this is what we do. We cover ourselves. And we don't let people see us as we really are. And we start to become somebody we're not. And we take on this false self to project to other people what we think they want to see and what we think we need them to see in order to be accepted and to be loved. I love what Gary Shandling said. I know this is kind of a deep word and, um, and it's a little heavy. But I love what Gary Shandling says. He says, my friends tell me I have intimacy issues, but they don't really know me. <laughs> Let that sink in a little bit. <laughs> so here, I got a couple things for you. I'm going to go through these fairly quick. But I believe that if we want to have real relationships, how many of you would say, man, yeah, I want to have deeper relationships. I want to have real relationships. Even in the church, man, I think as the church, we should be the model for real relationships, Right? But here's the first point. If we're going to have real relationships, you have to be the real you. You have to be the real you. Look what Jonathan did. Now, I think when I read this story about what Jonathan did, there's so much significance. There's so much meat in here in verse 4. It says about what, what Jonathan did. He, he took off his robe, his royal robe. Now, there's significance in that. Because Jonathan was saying to David... I want you to see who I really am. I don't want you to just see me as the king's son. I don't want you to see me as heir to the throne. I know that's how everybody sees me. I know that when I'm wearing this royal robe, that I'm, I am enrobed in power and strength and honor and dignity. And that's how people see me. He says, but I want to show you the real me. I'm taking off my robe and I'm giving it to you. And I think this is important because I think too many of us, we've got up, we've got masks on, we wear, we clothe ourselves in performance, we clothe ourselves in the right words to say and the right things to do, and we project this image that we want other people to see. But if you're going to have real relationships, you got to be you, you got to do you. You got to be real about who you are and allow people to see you. This is called authenticity. It's when you allow people to see you for who you really are. And there's this little scripture in, in 2 Corinthians um, that Paul talks about in chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. And Paul is talking about the glory of the Old Testament versus the glory of the New Testament. And he relates it back to Moses who would go into the tent of meeting, into the presence of God. And when he was in the presence of God, he would come out and his face would be glowing with the presence of God. 
And when he came down from the mountain, meeting with God with the Ten Commandments, his face was glowing with the presence of God. But it, it, Paul talks about how Moses would put a veil over his face so that they couldn't see, the, the Israelites couldn't see the glory of the Lord. Now, I'm going to read this to you. 2 Corinthians 3.13, he says, We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. Now, when I used to read this verse, I used to think, oh, Moses is putting a veil over his face so that the people wouldn't be blinded, you know, by the glory of the Lord on his face. But after reading this and reading some commentaries, what I realized is that isn't true at all. The reason that Moses put a veil over his face is so that they wouldn't see that the glory was actually fading. In other words, he wanted to save face. He didn't want people to see that maybe God's favor had left him. Or I don't know what he was thinking. Or maybe he wasn't as special as people would think. And, and they wouldn't look up to him as much. They wouldn't esteem his, him as much as a leader, a spiritual leader. But I wonder how many of us, we do the same thing. We put veils over our face. We filter our lives. We, we let people in and we let them see only what we want them to see. And in doing so, we present a false self to other people. And I'm telling you, if you're going to have real relationships, you got to show them the real you. Jonathan loved David because he saw him behind closed doors. Yeah, they could sing his praises out in the field that David's slain his ten thousands. But there's a, there's a David behind closed doors. And Jonathan got an up-close-and-personal look at who David was behind closed doors. Yeah, he's this great warrior, but did you know he's also a poet? Now, that's not very manly, right? I like David the warrior better. I like David the Goliath killer better. Come on, man. Like, right? That's what we want to do. Macho. But there's this other side of David that nobody else saw that behind closed doors, he's playing the harp. He's writing poetry. He's soothing Saul and the demons because of his nice, soft music. He's like Kenny G, you know, on the harp. And Jonathan sees who David really is, and he loves him for who he is, the real him. Come on, what good are our relationships if people like us for somebody who we're really not? Is that a real relationship? No, it's not. But how many of us, we do that? And, and we're so afraid to be real. You know, Jonathan took a risk. You know, this, this is risky. Yes. It's going to take some faith. It takes some risk to be authentic and to show people who you really are. But I'm telling you, it's worth the risk. Some of the closest, deepest friendships will happen only when you take the risk. Jonathan took the risk to pursue David. Think about that for a minute. David could have been like, bro, dude, put your robe back on. Enough with the Calvins, you know? Like, I'm good. <laughs> but he didn't. He was overwhelmed with Jonathan's love and, and generosity. That leads me to my second point is if you're going to have real relationships, not only do you have to be the real you, but you have to let people in. You have to let them in. Now, Jonathan not only took off his robe to let David see who he really was, apart from his identity as the king's son and heir to the throne, it says that he took off his tunic. His tunic was basically his underwear. I mean, that, 
it's getting real real now, right? And awkward, holy awkward, Batman. Like, I could just see David like, oh, what's, what's happening right now? This is a little weird. But what Jonathan was doing is he wasn't just showing him who he was. He's saying, man, I'm, I'm all in. Like, this, this, I want you to see me. All my scars. Jonathan was a warrior. No doubt he had some battle scars. He had some ugly spots on his body from the battles that he fought. How many of us in the room, you may not have any ugly scars on the outside, but you got some ugly scars on the inside. Because too many of us have been hurt. We've been wounded. And this is why we don't let anybody in. We might let them in to see the real us, but that's as far as you go. Why? Because I've been burned before. And too many of us, because we've been wounded, we've been rejected, we've been hurt, we've been burned, we've been backstabbed. Every time we're offended, every time we're hurt, thank you, Pink Floyd, for being the great theologian. There's just another brick in the wall. And we build these walls to protect our hearts that keep us behind strongholds. And they might protect us from getting hurt, but they also don't let anybody in. And so I'm, I don't get close to anybody. I just get close enough, and then I put my guard up. I put my wall up. And I'll let you in this far, far but I won't let you in any further. If you're going to have real relationships, we have to be willing to let people in. The third thing is real relationship requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice. Look, Jonathan, think about what Jonathan did. See, man, we want relationships to be easy. We don't have to, we don't want to have to work at them. We don't have to want, have to go out of our way. We don't have to make time out of our busy schedule. We don't want to sacrifice anything. But I'm telling you, we become masters at things that don't really matter. Think about all the time we spend scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Man, it, it never ceases to amaze me. I'll go out to, to dinner with my wife on a date night or something, and you'll see this couple sitting across from each other, having dinner, and they're both just like. Meanwhile, the person that they love, they're so disconnected from. They barely have a relationship. How many times have I seen a family sitting around the table and the kids are just playing games and, the, and there's nothing wrong with that, but a family. Man, we're missing out on the family dinner. Time just sitting together, sharing a meal, talking, talking about real stuff. Not just superficial stuff. It takes sacrifice. Jonathan literally gave up his royalty. He said, no. You know, this is the thing about godly friendships. Godly friendships, guess what? They, just, they don't just see your wounds. They don't just see your ugly scars. They don't just see your bad habits. They don't just see your sin. Godly relationships see all that, but they see beyond that. They see you for the call that God has on your life. They see you for what God says you are. They see the gold in you. Jonathan said, man, I know right now you're just one of the army guys. And my, my father, he's keeping you in check, but I'm telling you, you're going to be king someday. You got a call on your life. And you know what? I know I'm heir to the throne, but I'm willing to lay down my kingship, my future, my destiny, because I see God has got a call on your life. 
and I just want to come alongside you and be there for you. He took it all. I love that Jonathan, he could have just said, here's the robe. Boom. That would have been awesome. Right, Ken? In and of itself, that, that would have been enough, but he didn't stop there. He took his tunic and then he took his sword, his bow, and his belt. He's like, man, I'm not going to just go in a little bit with you. I'm going all in. I'm taking it all off. <laughs> that sounds weird, but you know what I mean? Require sacrifice. John 15, 13, Jesus said it like this. Greater love has no one than this, that we lay down our life for one's friends. No greater love. Take sacrifice. The last thing is this. You have to understand if you're going to have real relationships, you need to understand the power of being present. Man, we've lost this. We're so not present. In fact, there's this, there's this word for this. This is kind of funny. Not funny. But um, there's this word called fubbing. There's an issue of fubbing. Fubbing is the act of snubbing a person in social setting because they're focusing on their smartphone. And people who have experienced fubbing, they're called fubbies. They got names for this stuff now. This is madness. This is crazy, right? Have you been fubbed lately? <laughs> Were you trying to talk to somebody and, and you know, eh, 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 wait a minute. And we've lost the power of being present, of just being with people, not texting them. Call is great. In fact, a lot of social scientists say that a phone call now is the equivalent to what a face-to-face -face interaction used to be. But I don't think it, it, it should stop there. See, there was a time in David's life where he thought he was done. He thought he was dead. Saul had him surrounded and he thought he was going to die. He was afraid for his life. He was freaking out. I'd say it like this. He's having an anxiety attack. And you know what? Jonathan gets word about it. And he leaves the castle and he goes to his friend in 1 Samuel 23, 15. It says, while David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph. And how many of you have ever been in a desert season in your life where you're getting hit with stuff and you wish instead of somebody just texting you, I oh, am hey, praying for you. This is the power of somebody just being present with you, being real, saying, you know what? <sighs> I got a busy schedule, but you're more important. I'm going to sacrifice my time and I'm going to come. And it says that he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And verse 16, and Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David in Horesh and helped him, listen, helped him find strength in God. He was present. Sometimes all it takes is just for a good friend to sit with you, to look you in the eye. And look what he says to David. Don't be afraid. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. And listen, this is beautiful. And then the two recommit their friendship to each other. It says they made a covenant. Right then and there, it says, brother, man, I'm so grateful. You took the time when I was desperate and in need and I'm scared and afraid, 
I needed somebody to come and get in my face and remind me of who I am and God's destiny and call on my life. Just like some of you here this morning and you need the Holy Spirit and a good friend to get up in your face and remind you that you are made for more than this. You've got a call on your life. you got a destiny. you got a purpose. And no weapon formed against you will prosper. My Bible says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'm so grateful for Jesus. The power of presence. That we don't serve a God that just shouted from the heavens, I love you. But he came and took on flesh. And the Bible says he experienced everything that you and I experienced. He was a lonely man. He was a man of suffering. He was a man of sorrows. He was tempted in every way. Why? So he could get on his knees and say, man, I know what you're going through right now. I experienced it. And I sent my Holy Spirit to help you, to be there for you, strengthen you. You know, when Paul said, Moses, their veil, what started on their face, went to their heart. The veil that used to cover Moses said, now the people move from the face to the heart. And I want to close our service. I was praying for some of you because Paul would go on to say, he would give us the solution, the cure to take the veil away. It says that when anyone turns to the Lord, he removes the veil and his love comes rushing in. It says in 1 John, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And you are loved perfectly by a God that doesn't expect perfection doesn't need you to put on a mask, doesn't need you to try to be something you're not. He gave his life to you, you know what? I think about this story, and I think about Jesus, that he took off his royal robe, and he was beaten and bloodied and carried a cross. And he died on that cross. And he shed his blood on that cross. He gave his life on that cross so that you could be forgiven and free. And you know what he did? He rose again on the third day. And now you know what he does? When anyone turns to him, him, he takes off the mask and he puts on a robe of righteousness. He said, my son, my daughter, welcome home. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. There's somebody here that needs to hear that. You're not alone. God is present. He's present. He's right here, right now. And I believe that God wants to heal some of your hearts if you'll turn to Him. I want you to close your eyes for just a second. So the Spirit of God moving.
ask a second group of people, maybe. How many of you here today, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus? Now, let me tell you, friend, you want to start having real relationships and start with having the realest relationship that you'll ever have, which is surrendering your life to Jesus, allowing him to come into your heart. And if you invite him in, let me tell you something. He's going to kick down some walls and he's going to bring healing. He's going to come in with love, peace, joy. But you got to invite him in. If that's you, you're here today and you want to invite Jesus into your life, just raise your hand right now. Don't even think twice. Just slip that hand up. It's you. God bless you. God bless you, man. Best decision of your life. Anyone else? Maybe some of you, you've walked away from that relationship and today is the day you want to recommit to having a real relationship with Jesus. If that's you, just slip your hand up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Come on. This is your day. This is your time. This is your moment. Now I want you to stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. I want you to put your one hand on your heart. Lift one hand to heaven. Come on, do this quickly. And the worship team is going to lead us in the last song. We're going to have our prayer team over here. Some of you, you need to come forward for prayer. And some of you right now, I believe the Spirit of God is going to minister to you. Minister to your heart. Put your hand on your heart. One hand to heaven. Holy Spirit, I pray that you come right now in power. Bring healing. Now, move. Move. Set captives free. Open the prison doors. Come out in Jesus' name. Some of you have been hiding in the shadows, hiding behind a false identity. Today's the day that you come out of that prison. You break out of that false identity into the plan and purpose God has for you. Right now, in Jesus' name, I bind up every evil spirit that would try to keep you bound in the name of Jesus. Say, be free. Be free. Bring healing. Some of you need to encounter the love of God afresh and anew. Holy Spirit, breathe. Breathe your love on your kids today. 